Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and MBs, and it's me, Shaden, reporting from Command Control, which is really just my living room. <laughs> I'm going to try and come up with a new name for this every single time I do a podcast over the coming weeks and months. Like, eventually it's going to be like, you know, the Fortress of Shady or something like that. Yeah, I've been playing a bit of Doom Eternal, as you can probably tell. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're not here to talk about Doom Eternal. We're here for Second Stream, our patron-only podcast covering Jeweler Richard. Uh, joining me as always, though, is a man from across the pond, but he's very close to my heart, is the Soul Doctor. Hey, friends. I hope everybody is doing well. Uh, the the family subtle is, is A-OK uh, here in lockdown. Um, we are weathering the storm, and I hope everyone is doing the same and being safe and, and practicing the old social distancing, uh, the, the five commandments, as we've learned uh, <laughs> over the, the last few days. But um, I've met some people in know, my time who could definitely stand to practice a bit more social distancing. Bit too handsy. Hey! Um, well, you know, I, I for one... I'm super glad that we are going to talk about some anime because uh, any distraction, any respite from sort of what's going on and all the ripple effects uh, thereof uh, is welcome to me. Damn straight. Okay then, so just to give a quick recap for those who may be listening to this either when it goes free or at some point, you know, in the far distant future when coronavirus is just an unpleasant memory... um, this uh, format is strictly talking points. There is no plot summation apart from what we give to help provide context to those talking points. So we're going to assume that you have watched episode 11, The Peridot of Blessings, already. If you've not, get yourself over to Crunchyroll and go watch it. Just just saying. Uh, right, so, where to begin? Um, Do we oh, have yeah. questions this week? We have one, actually. Uh, you're quite right, Doc. Thank you for reminding me of that. Sure. We do. Uh, it's it's a single question. It comes from Mirror on the Wall, and it goes something a little bit like this. This isn't a real question, but can we all agree that the one true pairing is Richard X Pudding? You guys picked Royal Milk Tea last time, which was the incorrect answer. And I'm afraid that, you know... You can't see this because this is an audio format only, but uh, my hands are very much held up right now because, Mirror, you are entirely correct. Were this a game show, there'd be a ding, ding, ding noise and a tiny little balloon coming out with some confetti from the ceiling because, yeah, you're right. Uh, Richard and Pudding is the, uh, you know, it is the true pairing. And indeed, that's been fleshed out in this very episode. Like, I thought that the Pudding last time was like, oh, you know, it's, it's a thing that, you know, he likes from his childhood. And then it turns out it has even more meaning to it. You know, pudding is the key in this show. Are are we just victims of recency bias here? Are we prisoners of the moment? Because, I, I mean, I think we could be forgetting how deeply he adores royal milk tea and how it's he, ever present. Yeah, he seems to have uh, not dr- drank quite as much of it as of late, though, in the anime. That's the thing I think that's throwing us off here. Um, is he not drinking tea? I mean, they're, I know they're not calling attention to it, but I, I guess I'm just not um, remembering that he's not drinking as much. I mean, he has, it's been a bit more of a tumultuous time for him. He's, he's been traveling a lot. You know, he's been uh, engaged with personal matters. He hasn't had a lot of time to sit around and drink. So mm-hmm. I guess that's fair. Um, certainly Pudding, though, has, has uh, thrown its hat in the rink. Uh, mm-hmm. so to speak and uh it's up the ante for like 
who uh, gets to be Richard's, you know, food partner forever. Who's the number <laughs> one in his heart? Um, it's who are who are who are what does Richard want to eat right now? Hmm. There's a framing device for your shipping discussions, there, folks. Um, you you know, like I, I'm. This leads into my first talking point of the day, which is I just want to note how funny I found the scene in which Sagi, being Sagi, in fact, no, we're, we're gonna verb, we're gonna make this a verb to pull a Sagi mm-hmm. to do something that is genuinely well intentioned but also incredibly stupid, um, in which he learns, oh. The secret to making good pudding is to put black sugar in. And uh, by the way, I did not know black sugar was a thing. But well, I know, me neither. Uh, hey, f- fair enough. Do you know? What is that even? Have... I'm googling this now because I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, brown sugar I knew was a thing, but uh, black. Hey, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe it's mine from the yeah, depths of hell yeah. itself. Who can say? Okay, it's a form of crystalline precipitate or a particular pollution byproduct unique from uh words that are chemicals burning of low-grade coal in the 1940s and 60s this can't be right is, is black sugar <laughs> better than white sugar wait are you mean to say that shaco was just trying to poison richard for how much his year? <laughs> i mean he lived in a fucked up household so I'm, nothing's off the table here really i really oh, miss richard goodness. but i'm just surprised he died a little shit <laughs> Brett, oh, is black sugar sweet it can look quite similar to brown sugar but black sugar is even darker well thanks internet uh, almost <laughs> black. black sugar is popular in taiwan compared to processed sugar which has a very flat characterless taste says you uh, <laughs> black sugar is quote round unquote with a lot more flavor thank you jody's kitchen for those obvious truths about black sugar. Make um, sure the check's in the mail, please. Yeah, right. Just um, saying. Because, um, like, that moment in which say he's like, oh, I learned that black sugar goes into pudding. I'll use ooh. it to make pudding for Richard. And then Richard immediately says, I demand an explanation. And what a line. What a line. I, I, <laughs> I demand an explanation. And Seiki... Segi proves once again that he could not play a game of poker to save his fucking life. Not because he wouldn't necessarily understand the rules, but because his face is as see-through as a fucking, like, sheet of cling film. Like, he's just like, oh, oh Richard, uh, I'm sorry, but I, I don't know how this happened. Like, it's just something different, you know, like, oh, oh don't mind me. Is, is it really hot in here or is it just me, you know? That kind of thing. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> and then uh, Richard delivers the power move, of course, which I'm glad the, the anime has been fairly consistent on, actually. It's nice to have a recurring element like that. Um, and he says, well, you know, whoever gave you this, maybe you should go give him a, bif- a gift back. It's a tradition. Uh, which, by the way, um, I like that he notes that it's a Japanese tradition as a kind of otherliness to himself. Like, he recognizes, even though he's kind of reconciled mm. with his the events of the previous episodes, that he is still a stranger in a strange land, if you want to use that. Um, mm-hmm. But it also, funnily enough, then ties back to what we learn about Chaco later and what in terms of actual study that she was teaching him, which was Japanese. She wasn't just teaching him, you know, the language, but she was also teaching him the culture and the tradition as well, which I think is very key to showing that she is actually a damn fine teacher just in terms of education, not ne- not just because, of, admittedly, of the also important element that she genuinely cared for him. Throwaway lines can sometimes be very, very insightful, and I think that was certainly 
one of them in this particular episode. So, Black Sugar update. Uh-oh. <laughs> Words never said before on in, yep. in human history. <laughs> so, this Dude, is from I got Atlas black, black Sugar. I, okay, go on. <laughs> this is from Atlas Obscura, a website that I like. It's a good website. Um, it's also known as uh, Cocteau, by the way. Um, most cafes and bakeries don't advertise the kind of sugar they add to their treats. Most customers would like to forget that their treats contain sugar, period. But in Eastern Asia, Okinawa, black sugar, gets top billing when it is added to drinks and desserts. Its malty, salty caramel flavor even makes it possible to eat it plain. Um, it enhances milk tea, sweet soups, desserts, uh, mochi, cakes. Uh, when crushed finely, it has a powdery texture instead of a grainy one. Um, it's often used to dust sweets, which is a good dusting of sugar. Sounds pretty delightful. So Okinawa black sugar has been made since the 17th century. It's a relatively new discovery here in the Okinawa prefecture of Japan. It's a chain of islands in South Japan. Makers will boil sugarcane juice for hours until it becomes black syrup. Then allow the syrup to sit until it hardens into dry sugar. The whole blocks of sugar are a deep brown-black color, though when broken into smaller pieces, they appear much lighter. Black sugar is relatively unrefined compared to typical brown sugar, which is often white sugar. That's racist. Molasses. No. <laughs> Shut <laughs> Oh, I'm um, so sorry for that, but I couldn't resist. Um, apparently, I, it's like a so the idea of sugar as a Health food might raise eyebrows, but unrefined black sugar contains minerals like potassium and iron that are filtered out of white sugar. Um, a chunk of black sugar in ginger tea is a home remedy for fatigue, nausea, and colds. It's recommended for women with uh, heavy periods as a sweet iron supplement. In this case, there's no need for extra sugar to help the medicine go down. Good on you, Alice Obscura. That's a great little article. N- nice nice punchline there. Right? Nice end- ending line there. Uh, although they didn't answer the key question that I wanted to know is what it's like to snort it. <laughs> I don't know. I will order a cube. And I, I, I will report back on this, presumably after I've woken up after going into a coma for three solid days. Uh, anyway. Anyway, so that's my first small talking point out of the way. Uh, Doc, do you have anything you want to chuck into the ring for the moment before I go into some other stuff? Well, I mean, like, I just have written in my notes, like, Sagi, you fool. (laughs) Isn't that what you write every week when we cover this show? (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, you're right to, like, coin coin the phrase, you know, you've done a Sagi. Uh, Oopsies. Um, What... Okay, so first of all, first of all, when he's having a conversation with Chaco uh, at the beginning, and he l- launches into his, you know, barrage of questions, you know, is this England in this picture? Is it the Claremont residence? Hey, did you know Richard? Because I know Richard. He's a cool guy. Um, and he would love to see you wouldn't it be cool if you were his governess all this stuff um about i don't know two minutes um, not even maybe 30 seconds into that uh sort of question shotgun spray anyone could tell that she was uncomfortable that she was like oh i don't really want to be talking about this 
And he just plows forward and just like, read a room, son. You've not grown at all. <laughs> like you had this problem <laughs> with the first episode. Um, but that's, I guess this is part of why we love him because he's such a, a doof. Uh, mm. And then he goes and like really leans into the doofiness by like, I mean, this is Richard we're talking about, Shadon. R- Richard Claremont is a a, a a bulldog when it comes to details. He he will find them, and he will cling to them. He will not let them go. He will notice the, the minute changes, and so you are going to use the recipe from this lady who you suspect to be his governess in the pudding. And you do not think that he is going to question you about it. <laughs> like, well, this is like, it's like he knew the whole time. <laughs> he's like playing the, the fool who, and he's really like, I want to get these two together. How can I like have some plausible deniability here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you that I think that his plan was actually, he did it deliberately rather than just, oh, he likes it. I'll just do it because why not? Um, But yeah, like say he is, uh, <laughs> I, I will say though, like, I agree with your sentiment about the idea that, hey, you know what, like, he hasn't quite learned from the, you know, the start of the season. But at the same time, I think that it's worth remembering that his actions in this episode, uh, him intervening, much as he did with Richard, like, you know, to help this random person, um, he, excuse me, uh, he, um, you know, something great came as a result of that. Uh, which I thought was really neat, like, you know, that even though, like, he's learned, like, maybe try and restrain himself a little bit and sometimes still lapse into his old ways, uh, he actually, um, you know, helps her and then, by complete coincidence, as this show has kind of gone into great detail about often, uh, something really good came of it, so that was nice. That was pretty good. All right. Yeah. Uh, uh, next think... part... Oh, God, sorry, go on. Well, do you, do you think it's... um at odds with anything the show has been trying to say that i don't know i guess it's okay i mean i don't i certainly don't have a problem with seggy sticking his nose into other people's business but i think the show's been telling trying to tell him to to i guess i don't know this just sounds weird when i think about it though i think the show's been trying to tell him to to stop um sticking his nose into other people's business or stop uh stop helping people for like the wrong reasons to sort of satisfy your own need to be subservient Hmm. but i didn't really feel like that was going on here particularly Hmm. i think he's just i mean there's nothing wrong with being a helpful boy and helping a lady he's he's enthusiastic i mean he's literally just found out after coming back from england that oh my god this lady actually works at that place that strange magical mansion that I went to. Like, I can kind of understand, like, his... Any reserve that he's built up over time kind of fading away in that moment. I'll just be brushed aside, like, holy shit. Like, have you ever met someone, like, you know, famous or semi-famous, for example? Like, you know, sometimes decorum can, uh, you know, be brushed aside just by sheer enthusiasm, even if you are not quite as um, forward as Sagi tends to be, particularly in the early episodes. I mean, I would do it. Like, I would, I would help her. I would, you know, suspecting that she was this person in Richard's life. You know, as long as she wasn't like, I hate him and I don't want to see him again. Hmm. Leave me alone. I would be like, look, I'm, I'm, 
I'm arranging. I'm getting these two. This needs to happen. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. Richard clearly cares about her so much. Um, mm. I loved all the little mannerisms that she did um, that Sagi picked up on that were Richardisms. You know, the clapping hands together and yeah, um, the little turns of phrase and things. That was very sweet. That was a, that was a very nice touch. Mm, I agree. Um, so, okay, next point. This is a small observation again, but I like that the show continues to do crazy things uh, with its direction. And we get a, a widescreen, open mat aspect ratio for the flashbacks, which, you know, small thing, but I like they did that um, to help distinguish it a little bit. It's not quite the same as I think it might have been... Um, God, what was it? It was the one where... Uh, there was an anime I've seen, I'm sure of it, where they had a flashback to, uh, like, the early 90s, and the aspect ratio actually changed to four by three for that, which I thought was genius. <laughs> I remember this. I can't remember which one it was, though. I know, me neither. Uh, answer in the comments, please, folks, if, if you'd be so good. Um, so that was neat. Right, I have a question for you. Um, Catherine, uh, Richard's mother, um, well, we know where he got the looks from, I'll say that much. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I, a question then. Do you think that she did what she did to genuinely escape from uh, the Count? You know, so that way she didn't end up having to go with him to the Amazon because... Look, I mean... I... <laughs> I've... Look, who wants to move to the Amazon? <laughs> I mean, I'm in no hurry, let's put it that way. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure it's great if you come there, but like, the thought of... Oh, I'm going to go for a quick, you know, dip in the local river and... Oh, Jesus, my foot! It does sound like if like if you told someone that you're gonna move to uh, Santiago or like you know uh, Sao Paulo or something or or just the countryside of Brazil or whatever, like that would sound a little bit more like it's exotic, but like you wouldn't be you're it, to say you're gonna move to the Amazon like conjures this idea that you're gonna be living in the jungle, which just mm. just seems unpleasant if you are used to the creature comforts that Catherine appears used to. Exactly, exactly. Um, but the question I want to ask you is this. Do you reckon she did it to escape the Count? Or because she was really, really jealous of Chaco's relationship with Richard and kind of wanted to sabotage that as well? Maybe it's both, even. I mean, the, she oh, it's, stated, it's stated by uh, the Count that uh, she is an actress through and through. So... Is it unreasonable to think that when she and Shaco are having the talk in the garden, that some of that is also a puss on or fake, you know, or even serves okay. a different purpose? So, so Ashcroft is not Richard's dad. Um, I've, I'm hazy on the family tree at this point. I think it, I mean, it, it's so a pretzel, basically. To, she's going to reconcile with Ashcroft. Mm-hmm. And then, who who was the guy saying that she's an actress through and through? Was um, that was that, that was, a servant? That was the dude she was talking to at the window. I'm, I'm fairly certain that was the count himself. The same, they're the same person, right? So, so he was talking about her to another person, like when Richard overheard them talking about Catherine. But then he was talking to Catherine. Later, when he said, "Catherine, stop this nonsense. We're on your side, Jacob." Like those, that those are the same person, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've... he is not. 
he's not Richard's dad or Ashcroft. I really wish we had... Like, I never thought I'd, I'd say this, but I want Jeffrey back just to pull out his iPad with the family tree on it. <laughs> I know, like, I... I was very confused, because I was like... Because I think... I feel like when he was talking about Catherine derisively to the other person, he had, like, a little hand towel over his arm in the way that butlers are often depicted. Mm. But then he's, like... T- sort of going off against her and i'm like holy shit the butler is just like telling off Catherine. like i was yeah i was just sort of confused at like who was who who the people were and like who ashcroft is and how they all relate to richard i mean i know Catherine's his mother is the boy's mother i guess i mean or is she only richard's mother because oh yeah him and jeff are just half brothers right Mm. So uh, I guess yes. Jeff and Henry uh, have uh, a wait. different mom. Where was Henry this episode? No one gave a <laughs> no one gave a flying crap about the poor kid. Uh, I I I don't know. Richard Richard up, Richard. <laughs> he was probably updating his life journal. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> oh, okay. So so your to answer your question, um, I mean, it's hard to say, <laughs> right? Because. Uh, you know, I, I think based on what that mustachioed fellow said about her being an actress, like he was saying, you know, I don't know if it was he was his argument that like she didn't want us to reconcile or I don't know. I don't know. Basically, like what the thing we're given in the episode is like. At the end of the day, the the sort of secret agreement between Chaco and Catherine was because she didn't want to to go. Um, she didn't want to be tied down to them mm-hmm. and move out to the Amazon. Uh, so you know what's you know what's actually kind of sad now that I think about it, though. Like, the reasons that it stated that Catherine used, like, how Catherine gets out ultimately of, you know, uh, reconciling and going with Claremont to the Amazon is because she says, like, I don't want to be in a household where I'm treated like a liar. Um, and the more I think about it, the more sad and bitter that is because all she was really doing was exposing, like, what people thought of her already um, through this act. Mm. Where... Okay, yeah, I planted the, you know... I, I mean, you and I yeah. agree, she did plant that on Chaco. Or Chaco willingly took it and then was... Yeah. Yeah. Either way, uh, like, she, you know, did that, revealed it, and everyone's like, no, no, there's, there's got to be a more reasonable explanation than this. And I'm like, can you... I suppose you can't really blame her? Yeah, yeah. If, you know, if people perceive that way. I mean, admittedly, like, you know... I mean. In fact, no. Even uh, even Jeffrey is like, "Oh, the Queen's on a rampage again." <laughs> like, shut the fuck up, Jeffrey. I know you've only had one, li- like, two lives this episode, but goddamn it, man. Um, but yeah, like, even when presented with absolute evidence of what's happened, like, even though it is completely fictionalized, and they are uh, they are writing that she's lying this time around, although it's an agreed lie between her and Chaco. Like, it does feel very sad, I suppose, that hey. Um, she admits that she could never really now be a mother to Richard because Chaco has kind of taken the place. But then it also makes me feel bad for Chaco because she has been thrown under the bus for this. Um, 
But she didn't want to either. Uh, you know, mm. we find out that she didn't want to. And I, I think it actually ended up helping her as much as like the. I mean, the worst thing about it was she is Chaco felt that she'd hurt Richard's feelings and she carried that burden around for so long. But I think ultimately, like she wanted to go back to Japan, but mm. Mr. Dude was all like. I hope you won't betray me. I mean, what, what the, what the hell was that? That was such strong language. That, that like, was, yeah, that you, was you very can, strong You language. can stay here if you want to. And she's like, well, I think I might want to, you know, I'm supposed to go back to Japan. And he's like, the kids love you. It's great. We all love you. I hope you won't disappoint me. <laughs> like, I, I, I honestly know. feel like I, knowing as much as I do about how the novel has been substantially cut down in translations to the, anime and like a lot of like important stuff has been lost particularly as the as the season has gone on like if you were to tell me that there was a little bit of a thing going on between Chaco and the count i'd be like hmm mm. 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 Um, mm. sorry <laughs> no 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 i just i you know i i think the thing that she wanted for her for her life was to be able to to leave and it's funny because like the offer extended to her was like, you'll have more freedom here, but you won't be forced to like, you know, be a housewife, but she didn't see it that way. Uh, But he was not interested in the way she saw it. The problem with that though, is that's what we are told, but we are not ultimately shown. Like if Jaco has any anxieties about like going back up versus staying, uh, they are never adequately expressed in this episode. Um, To me, like it's, I read it as just her seeing like, like saying, this hasn't been planned for. Like you, you do realize I leave mm-hmm. next week. You know, it's like it's like saying, "Oh, uh, you know, could you, could you very quickly, you know, do the housework?" And I'm like, "No, I've literally got to leave the house right now to go grab a coach." As opposed to, I don't want to do the housework for you because I fucking hate you, uh, which is a different thing entirely. So, yeah, I, I think this episode suffers from a lot of what Julia Richards' uh, episodes thus far have had problems with, which is that. We feel like we've got the bone, but no meat on it. And I didn't cock up the metaphor this time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy with that. Believe me. Um, so I do think that there is room pot- for potential for ex- for this whole thing to be expanded. Like, if you made this a two-par, fleshed out the relationship between Chieko and the Count, fleshed it out between Richard and her and so on, and maybe also just fleshed it out in general where maybe she didn't want to go back to Japan for various reasons. Because I think they would have actually made a really neat parallel if she wanted to stay in England um, in the same way that Richard now wants to stay in Japan, because they're more comfortable in places that are not their home countries or their home uh, cultures, uh, for whatever reason that might be. But again, we've got an ultra-condensed set of events here that still take up the majority of the episode's runtime, but don't feel like they have enough room to really breathe, yeah. which is a shame. Because, mm-hmm. like I say, with Catherine, I do think there's a lot of complexity to her as given, but I wish that it was there was more time for it to be explored. Like, for such a pivotal character in Richard's life, this is the first time we've actually seen her. Whereas previously she was just, well, it was a French actress, you know, and that's was good enough for the claws. Says out in this ridiculous hundred year will. Yeah. <laughs> Risen by a bad man. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I too, I guess I'm unclear about what, what she really wanted, you know, because did, you know, did she agree to help Catherine because it aligned with her interests going back? Um, or because 
well, she really wanted to stay, but if Catherine, his Richard's mom, thought it was the best thing for Richard, then she would do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe they all, maybe all the motivations intermingle. Um, but big, clearly, nice, nice hurting Richard is, was a deep regret. That hmm. much we know. You know, now that you mention it, though, like I wish we'd seen some scene of the aftermath of Chaco leaving, where Richard is upset. We only kind of see the moment in which, like, at Christmas, like, Chaco leaves, but I don't think we get a really strong, like, impression of Richard's reaction to that. Again, we're told, not shown. And telling is sometimes perfectly fine, by the way. Uh, Like, the show-don't-tell rule is a lot like many rules in crafting fiction or a narrative, in that there are plenty of times when you do the exact opposite of it, or you do both, or you subvert, etc., etc. Like, you know, it is a it is a guideline, but that does not necessarily make it best practice. So having Richard, for example, tell Sagi, oh, you know, this was a lady I'm very fond of, that's actually fine in of itself. But if we're then going to be shown, like, the whole scene up until the point, you know, like, where Chieko runs away, but don't then get to see Richard, like, in bits afterwards, I think that's an omission, in, in my opinion. Now, again, I, I, maybe that's how it was in the novel as well. Can't speak to the novel's original material, not read it, uh, Smart people and more well-read people and I will know more about that. But as presented, again, like, I feel like we're skipping ahead a bit, like the show's on Fast Forward. Which, given you and I said about episode yeah. uh, 9 and 10, like, why are we not just getting the full four-parter here? It- so this is like, I think you've hit on the perfect metaphor to describe the sensation that I have watching it lately, is it feels like it's on Fast Forward. Mm-hmm. Not one and a half speed, but like 1.25 speed. And I'm just like, just to slow down a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, the last episode did feel like... That felt like 2x. <laughs> that was just <laughs> flying by. Um, but um, do, you, do you think that the fact that she made such a deep impression on him... Um, you know, because he, he has adopted her mannerisms and her language and what have you sort of implies that he felt it's the loss so deeply and we don't really that we don't need to be shown it or do you not think that that is sufficient i don't think it is because he has a second source of inspiration which is of course sol and yet the relationship between the two between him and sol and him and uh Chico is markedly different not least of which being it's different times in his life so if that was a thing um, where Chaco's like, you know, absence in his life was much more painful than, say, Saul's absence. I think the show should have hinted at that more. Like, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll suggest this, and it could very well turn out to have been a thing that I have completely missed. Why did, why not, for example, like have like Richard look at a picture of him with Chaco like earlier in the show's run? You know, like just to just not fan more. Like you know, say he comes in, like he says, "Hey, Richard, how's it going?" And Richard's just looking at the picture. He's a little bit distracted. Goes, oh, say uh, h- how are you? How are you doing? Uh, where's my royal bilk tea, you bitch? Okay, maybe maybe not that. <laughs> maybe not that. But you know, you know what I mean though. Like I, mm-hmm. I again, I'm speaking to material that uh, in its original form I don't have no knowledge of or very little of. So I don't even know if that would be a thing. And I'm sure that people will be t- telling us after this podcast, after they've listened to it, all of the stuff that was omitted um, for this episode to make it w- w- function. Um, I, I do like uh, 
sort of the fractured way that Catherine and her her sort of relationship or whatever with Richard is is sort of done in this episode. I like the fact that we don't get a whole like here's the way it was from the beginning and here's all the details. I sort of like that we get we get a piecemeal and we get a couple of kind of important memories from him and we kind of can glean his feelings from that because in that way it sort of feels like his own childhood memories because mm-hmm. like you know memories from that time by the time you're in your 30s are often fragmented and unrelated or like a couple I've... of really deep impressions but like Whoa, you have yeah. really strong feelings from it you know mm. yeah i i agree with you on that like my memories of my childhood from that period are very piecemeal and the sad thing is that it has been actually proven scientifically that just to give you a hypothetical here, let's say okay. you are 25 and you have lived with a step parent. Um, this is no one in particular that I'm referring to, by the way, not even myself. I'm literally making this up as I go, but you've lived with a step parent. And for say the first, like say like you lived with them approach in almost your entire like early life, like from when you were two to when you were 10, uh, oh, sorry, two until you were 18. Like, so for the, like, say for the first 14 years of that time, you got along like a house on fire. You loved your stepdad, your stepmom so dearly, and they dosed on you endlessly. Good memories, would you agree? I'd say so. For but sure. then imagine if there's one incident, one awful moment in which, I'm not even going to suggest what that may be. I'll leave that to you, the audience, to fill in the blank on that one. But the point being it's something so terrible, it actually will retroactively taint all of the memories you had or many of the memories you had with that person. That's been proven. Uh, I don't, I'd have to cite the study properly in order to back that up, but I do remember reading that was a thing. So the fact that, you know, Richard still has those fond memories despite um, you know, that moment in which he was led to believe that Chaco had betrayed everyone, uh, in particular, you know, betrayed his actual mother. Someone says, escort me, Richard. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Because <laughs> you know how that, you know how if, like, Catherine wasn't trying to, like, put on airs or, like, I mean, and I suppose that's the question itself. Like, you know, does Catherine actually genuinely love and want to be a mother to Richard? Or was it more just about protecting herself? Because, yeah, like, I can totally see an alternate version of that scene where Catherine wanted to be a, what, in fact, may have well been a great mother to Richard. And the moment she got out of the car, like, you know, all very haughty, all the pretense and all that. And that just dissipates. And she just runs up and gives him a great big hug rather than the opposite that happens in the actual show where she just hardens up even more. But she sees him with Chaco. Yep. And she's like, yep. She's like, damn, I hope I've got a big enough boot to hide her body in later. I kid, I kid. Just craziness. Um, you know, do you remember how... Um, cast your mind back to Mob Psycho 100 Season 1. Okay. Uh, episode 3. Mob. Little tiny mob. Sweet, sweet small little boy. Uh, That's always Mob. Like, Mm-hmm. Well, even smaller <laughs> than bu- than before, as a, as Super a tiny small. blob on the playground, uh, and he is showing Subomi for like the I don't know tenth time that he can bend a spoon, 
and she's like bored by it and she says get a clue and that for some reason like locked in in mob's brain like this this really hurtful painful moment for him that maybe for those other kids like was they just completely forgot about it like the next day it was very innocuous for them they might not have even been super malicious i mean they're little kids but for him it was like this tape now that will play back over and over in his mind get a clue mob get a clue like it was a, it became the subconscious thing that um affected his self-esteem and self-worth i feel mm. like we get one of those for richard here when they get their report cards and Jeff is like, I want to go tell my mom. And Richard's like, oh, oh man. Oh, yeah, my mom's not here. And oof, as like a, that was a gut punch. I felt yeah. so, so bad for that kid in that moment. You, you know, I need to point out something else I think is key, just to show how much of a positive influence Jaco had on his life. In that what we've seen of, like, apart from flashbacks and such, of Richard's time with Jeffrey in the modern day has been very confrontational. Um, they clearly have different ideas about school because even though they still care about each other, but they are very much not in alignment or agreement. And yet, here we have, you know, a flashback in which they're both very much, like, you know, really enjoying the chance to be educated by this lady and very fond of her, and in turn, very fond of each other's company as a result. Can I tell you... Can I tell you my favorite Jeffrey moment from this episode? Was when it was Christmas time and he and Richard are excitedly opening up opening up their presents from Chaco. <laughs> and and he, he realized well, the moment he realizes it's a book, you can see his face fall <laughs> like for oh. the briefest moment. Um, I want Nintendo Switch. <laughs> exactly. You're supposed to focus on Richard, you know, because he's so happy. He's like, oh, Les Miserables, it's so great. But, like, Jeffrey looks so disappointed and annoyed. And I'm like, I've been there, kid. You get, But you have to get better at hiding it. <laughs> you, know, you, know he's ha- you know he's been filmed, like, losing his shit when it turns out, just, as you say, just to be a book and not a Sega Master System or something. Yes, that's definitely exactly. that's there's definitely a VHS out there of Jeffrey being a you know temper tantrum little shit as a result of that. <laughs> um, okay, so I want to talk again about something that I think Julia Richards dealt with before, which is the idea of the attachments and ideas that we have uh, to me- and memories and how they affect our enjoyment of things. Um, Les Miserables, for example, never read the book by the way, never watched the film, never seen the play. I know little about it other than it's French. It's good, the play. I've not read the book, but the play is quite good. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing, right? Like, on its own, that's just a work of art that you consume. But for Richard, it actually holds, like, real emotional value to him because it's something that Chieko taught him. And that's similarly the same with the pudding. And I like that the show continues to revisit this idea of that in that all of these material things, be they gemstones, be they pudding, mm. be they book, be they royal milk tea, like... It really is very like on point with how it examines the value of things and what we value we put in them. Like that, even a story like that, you know, some people can just read it for the academic reasons, like if you're doing it, as, you know, for education, or you might read it just because you're well read. But you know, maybe there are people out there who could very well have read Les Miserables to say a partner, and 
that then already takes on a new context, like it has meaning unique to you. Um, so I'm glad that it continues to do that. Uh, indeed, the episode ends with uh, Richard saying, hey, you've got the Peridot necklace, why don't you change it into something else? Which is the very literal um, way of saying, take the mem- bad memories out of this and change into something positive, like Sagi did with his own pink... Uh, was it pink sapphire? It was a pink sapphire, wasn't it? Yes, I think yeah, so. The pink, sa- the pink sapphire ring or the, you know, diamond... Um, Hell, most of the gems, basically, you know, the experiences we tie into them. So I'm glad it continues to do that, but I'm glad it expands out and also mentions that it's not just gemstones that this applies to, but even just creature comforts or works of art. Like, that's a neat thing, and I'm glad it keeps doing that. Yeah, I mean, it it may seem kind of, like, corny that the show is saying um, that pudding made with black sugar could be more valuable to someone than a diamond worth billions of yen but hmm. it is saying that and i kind of like that <laughs> i'm, I'm yeah. into well, that no 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 it's true because if i may speak for myself here like uh, when i was much younger i would visit my grandmother's uh, every saturday and she would always cook for us and she always made hand-cooked potato chips uh, by which i mean like giant fries if you're if you're american and inferior okay. Like you, Doc. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, no chip, chip, Brit, British chips are, are the best, honestly. But yeah, she hand cut them, uh, and they were amazing. Um, but I mean, like to anyone else, it's just cut potato, really. Who gives a fuck? But again, like I have fond memories of that growing up. Like you know, that kind of how should we say personal touch? You know, that's unique to that particular person. So yeah, um, I'm glad the show keeps doing that. All right, okay, one final thing. Oh god, go on. This is bringing in another anime uh, that we've talked about recently, Beastars. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, the character Lewis in Beastars. I think you mean uh, Ruiz. Get it right. No. <laughs> the Ruiz, the totally non-ethnic uh, deer. Um, uh, Lewis is a, is a buck. Stag. So, Shadon, here's my question to you. What if... Uh, do you do you know what you would have if you cloned Lewis, and then changed the sex of both of the both of the deer? Change the sex of both of the deer? Uh, because mm? Lewis is a male, but if you, you cloned see... cloned Lewis, and then you changed the sex of both Lewis and his clone, do you know what you'd have? Uh, drop drop the bomb on me, Doc. Just just let rip. A parado. I'm glad it's Friday. I, I, I'm glad. I am glad there is much alcohol in my immediate future. Um, you know, it's not prescribed for me as a medicine, but I will be taking you know a significant dosage of it uh, for the trauma that I have just heard. Uh, see, granted, see, you know, it's a, it's a it's a pair because there are two. Yeah, yeah, and I, 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 yeah. A doe thanks. is a female deer, so you yeah, have a uh, pair of a, a doe if you changed. Yeah, blew it from a. Buck to a doe. Yeah. Two. A pair a pair of doe. F- thank you, uh, Doc. That was very um, painful. Anyway. <clears throat> so, the one final thing I want to... Uh, well, I've got two final things to talk about. Uh, but the first one is, 
I actually really like the scene between uh, Richard and Shaco at the end of the episode when she comes out to greet him because I must give credit to the way in which he was animated and also to his voice actor here. Like, we've seen him get angry, of course, and seen him have to deal, like, you know, with his brothers, for example, or his, re- his sorry, not his brothers, his cousins, and the rest of his family uh, in the preceding episodes. But in this one, we get to see him feel genuinely remorseful. Like, the way in which his voice actor portrays his mannerisms, like, in the way, you know, in which he's tilting his head a little bit, trying not quite to make eye contact with Chieko. Like... I thought it was a really, really well-executed and touching reunion scene, even though it's, as far as reunion scenes go, it's, like, fairly boilerplate, in my opinion. We've seen stuff like that before. I mean, we get yeah. the Les Miserables callback, which is nice in its own right, but, I mean, you could probably point to scenes similar to that in other works uh, uh, fiction. Uh, but nonetheless, I still like the nice touches they did with how he's animated, where this oh, man, right. who usually holds himself, you know, is very, you know, with how to put it, uh, very formal, uh, with airs and graces. The social uh, his own distancing kind. as a way of oh, life. Oh, <laughs> no. Fuck me. It's just started raining really hard outside the window. That's your fault for making that joke. I don't know if you can hear it. On You on made that joke, that's your fault. <laughs> social distancing, <laughs> my ass. Oh, anyway, anyway. No, um, yeah, I really, I really like that moment. Like, even if it is like fairly well trodden ground, this kind of content, uh, it's good always that they, tr- you know, it's always good to see that they're continuing to try and make it a little better with the way in which it's animated and also the mannerisms as well. So that was good. It was good. Um, otherwise, I'm kind of out of things to say for the episode beyond just the general summary, which is that. <sighs> At the risk of repeating myself, and Lord knows I've done that enough on this podcast, the issue I take with this episode is not in any of its content or its ideas. I think there's certainly plenty of potential here, but note the word I used. Potential. That doesn't mean it's been realised or seized on. And I, again, have to say, I feel sorry for the show because I get the very distinct impression that if they had a lot more time then they would have seized on that. They would have made use of the material available in the novel to expand out, flesh out, make it more emotionally infecting and dramatically gripping. Uh, but as it is, this episode was... It was cosy. It was okay. It was it was all right. Uh, it's not anywhere near up to par, in my opinion, in terms of how much engaged me with the earlier episodes. But I think as a kind of coder or like send-off to Richard's family history and that there's still things that he needs to solve on that... It was respectable in its own way. So I I like that a lot. Uh, and I'll never, ever, you know, turn down the idea of found family either as an overall message to a show. That it's not a question of what blood relations you have, but rather who you are deeply uh, and emotionally connected to that's really important. Like, I'll never, I'll never begrudge that particular message. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I enjoyed the episode. Uh, I think I enjoyed it more than last week's. Um... Because, as I say, it felt less, it felt less rushed, um, and I, I think I'll be lying if I said that this show peaked for me some weeks ago. <clears throat> Excuse me, and it's difficult for me to like it. It's not, as you said, engaging me in the same way that it was um, right around the time that you know the Segi goes to london arc 
began. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think that was, like, the peak was uh, episode, like, eight, nine, somewhere around there. No, not nine. Probably eight, seven, eight. Um, and certainly the early episodes, I feel like, built on each other quite well. Um, but, yeah, I just feel like, I don't know, it's almost as if, like, I was riding a ride and at the... the uh, the beginning of the final quarter of the ride, I was thrown off of it. And so, um, it sort of left me behind. Um, which is sad because when this show was like really doing its thing, I felt like, oh, this is punching with, with the best of them this season. Like, um, it's, it's giving me some really high highs. Um, but I don't think it's been as consistent so far as it, um, as it could have been, uh, given like the material that we're working with. I mean, it could have been, um, even better than it is. And, but, but this episode in isolation was fine. Like you said, it was warm, comfy, nice, uh, send off, um, maybe two, I don't know, I guess next episode is going to be wrapping up the, the Sagi family stuff. Because oh man to, like it's you, a me you, we, dad <laughs> we, 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 hey it's a good it's a fair bookend we start with a coincidental meeting that leads on to you know deeper revelations and we end with a coincidental meeting that's presumably is at least deeper revelations uh i'm probably gonna have to rewatch episode one in advance this just so i can try and remember the specifics of Sagi's relationship with his father which i'm gonna presume is problematic i think he just wasn't there right i can because he was well like i say time 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 to rewatch the first episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That might be a smart thing to do, so. Yeah, I mean, I'd just like to imagine if Sagi drew his own family tree, you know, like Jeffrey did on an iPad, uh, where his dad would be would just be the word FUCK! <laughs> in all capsules, yeah. naturally. Alright, uh, well in that case, then that brings us to the end of this podcast for Jewel Richard episode 11. Um, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention that when I when Richard described the... Uh, the Peridot as transforming Julie, I immediately heard the Transformers <laughs> noise in my head. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope I hope it did that every time that uh, Catherine wanted to try and turn it into something else. Um, but otherwise, that brings it us to the end. So thank you, you very in, much. Richard Tron. Say <laughs> <laughs> he really is Starscream, isn't he, now that I think about it? <laughs> he is, isn't he? <laughs> That's a great That's note perfect. to end this on. So yeah, uh, thank you very Richard! much to. <laughs> oh my god! What are you doing? <laughs> His voice is so annoying. That I'm fucking voice. The ocean. <laughs> oh my god! So um, thank you very much to all of you uh, for listening. It's always good to have you along for the ride as we cover the show. Uh, we would ask that you submit your choices very soon for the shortlist for our next yeah. uh, second stream show. We need to get that underway. Things have been oh manic, so we understand that that that's been kind of by the wayside. But we do need to get on that. Uh, to all of our wonderful patrons, uh, thank you very much for continuing to support us. I know times are tough right now, um, and we in turn will do our best to support you back through content like this and just try and make your lives a little brighter. Um, I'd be interested to hear some more um, info on the actual novel material, particularly with this this episode here and the concert, how it appears in that, because I do get the impression there's a lot more going on here that just simply didn't make it for time constraints, uh, and I would like to very much have more context on it. If you happen to be listening to this... Um, and it's gone free to air, and you're thinking to yourself, how can I help support these uh, you know, wonderful gentlemen financially? Uh, I'm actually going to say, 
don't right now. Don't give us any money. Keep it for yourself. Times are shit, and I'd rather that people have more money in their own pockets than not. Uh, but if you insist on doing so, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Rory Desho. Uh, we have free tiers. You can get yourself on $2 tier for a minimum of Discord access and early access to other stuff. Uh, we also have early access to ad-free podcasts. Um, uh, also, our second stream is on the $5 tier as well, if you want to get on that. Uh, you can also ask us questions about the, the episodes that we cover week on week, and also be involved in choosing our next show, and even requesting an anime of your own for us to cover. Uh, so do check that out, but as I say, right now, uh, put it on the back burner if you want to keep your money for something else. We all need a little cheer these days, so however you want to spend it, you do that. And otherwise, if you want to support us in a non-financial way, uh, like, subscribe, follow, share, you know, click all the various social media and video, you know, site buttons, um, click the bell, ring the bell, blah, 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 you know, the usual good stuff. Um, share with your friends, tell, us about War- tell them about Warrior Death Show, uh, all of that stuff helps our discoverability, it's always very welcome. And that's kind of it, so I will take us out now by just saying that with times being what they are and things being a well, a bit shit, to be quite honest. Um, I hope you all take care of yourselves, look after yourselves, your loved ones, your friends, your family, your partners, everyone that you care about. Um, we will get through this, um, and we'll do our part here over at the podcast to try and make things a little bit, you know, sunnier with our own little goofy brand of silly content. But until next time, as we're often fond of saying on this podcast, embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Good night. Uh, spiritually embrace each other. And then wash your hands. (laughs) Yeah, wash your fucking hands, please.